Praise you, Jesus. Thank you for welcoming us into your presence this morning. God, I pray that you would meet us here. Lord, may we meet you. Humble us before your word. Cause us to rejoice in you, the one who is always with us, the one who is almighty, and the one who is so patient. Bless us this morning, Jesus, so that we will be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. I have been on boats often enough to know that I tend towards seasickness. I mean, dramamine is mandatory. Now, the idea, the idea of being in a storm at sea is terrifying to me. One of my real, true fears. In a boat, on a lake, the size that I have fished, no problem. You get 30 feet off the shore, you cast in or you cast out, I'm solid. But enduring waves higher than my head, and I am beyond panic mode. God, save me. You see, I grew up in the desert. God made water for drinking, gardening, and fishing on a nice, calm day. So I get to the end of Mark chapter 4, and I really want to see Jesus. I mean, I feel it. I have got to get Jesus' presence. And that precisely is why Mark includes this story. It is my fault that Mark 4, 35 to 41 is in the Bible. Mark 4, 35 to 31 comes, 41 becomes at the beginning of a series of stories in which Jesus proves his power over things that you and I cannot control. The wind and waves, demons, sickness, and death. You and I can, in the midst of all the storms of life, have peace and be still. Famously, peace, the Hebrew word is shalom, denotes wholeness or well-being, unaffectedness. This unaffectedness is the emphasis of this living parable. Living in this world, even without storms at sea, can be distracting, to put it mildly. Our eyes easily move off of God, the God who loves us, the God who will never leave us nor forsake us. And we forget, we forget as we are tossed to and fro in our relationships and circumstances that Christian. This world is a perfectly safe place for you to be. This world is a perfectly safe place for you to be. And in this miracle, in my mind, one of the most important miracles, in this miracle, we learn that Jesus is Lord over all our troubles. No matter what storms you weather, no matter what you suffer in this life, you are perfectly safe. 
Christian, nothing will harm you, even when you die. Why? Because Jesus is present with you. Why? Because Jesus is powerful for you. And because Jesus is patient with you. So you can be at peace. You don't have to fret and stew and be anxious about things you have no control over. Let's see exactly this as we turn to Mark 4, verses 35 to 41. On that day, when evening had come, Jesus said to them, Let us go over across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in a boat just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were, were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already feeling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they awoke him and said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Peace, be still. Now Mark tells us that this happens on the same day that he had given the kingdom parables recorded in Mark chapter 4. Mark understood, in relating these parables, Mark understood that along with the reality of the mystery and the availability of the kingdom of God, part of the point of these parables is that we be at peace, that we be still. We learn in this story, this living parable, this narrative of God's action with his people. Jesus is present. Jesus is right there with you. Jesus is powerful. He is mighty over all the things over which you are concerned. And Christian, Jesus is patient. He is patient with you in your sin, in your fear, in your anxiety. Christian, this world is a perfectly safe place for you to be. Why? It's because no ultimate harm will happen to you. Jesus is in the boat. Why? Because you can trust your pilot. You can trust your captain. He is with you. He loves you. He knows when and where you are at all times. Trust him. Enjoy the ride. And yet, Jesus is wise enough to know, and Mark is experienced enough to know, that the world, when our eyes are on the waves, is a scary place to be. Let's start to see that beginning in verses 35 and 36. On that day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, Let us go across to the other side leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. Mark makes it clear, this is an ordinary day. Jesus decides, we're going to go. Okay, boys, let's move. 
So those who were immediately with Jesus followed him. Yeah, let's go see where he goes next. Mark stresses in these two verses the ordinariness of the day. Because storms can strike at any time faster than we can recognize them. A car accident, an earthquake, sickness. You are subject to all kinds of major problems at any given moment. Your fault or no. In fact, when David says that we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we need to recognize that the valley of the, of the shadow of death is every single day. Not just some day when you lie on your deathbed. You might be lying on your deathbed right now as you're walking around, as you're sitting, listening to this sermon. You might die today of any number of causes. Every ordinary day is a day in the valley of the shadow of death. Therefore, fear no evil, Christian, because God is with you to guide you and to correct you. So, peace. Be still. Be still, because even when you die, Jesus is present. Jesus is powerful, and Jesus is patient with you. Furthermore, we learn in these two verses, the details here reaffirm the fact that Mark's gospel is based upon eyewitness report. Now, evidently, that report is from Peter because of the facts we find in several places of his gospel. But Mark has heard these stories often enough to be able to put them, to put enough detail in them so that you and I can feel ourselves in the boat. So take a moment. Right now, feel yourself there in the boat with Jesus. Use your sanctified imagination and be in the boat on the sea with Jesus. You know what that fear feels like. You have felt it enough. So call to mind that emotion and in your heart, realize, feel, your Lord and Savior, say to the wind and waves, peace, be still, and wash that fear away. Now in these two verses, the clause, just as he was, is a pebble in my boot. It just sits there, irritating me, taunting me. Ha, why am I here? Now, I don't know this, but it seems to me that what Mark is saying by this phrase is that Jesus had no guile. He had no pretensions. It was just him. To look at Jesus, you see an ordinary craftsman, an ordinary carpenter who happens to have great wisdom on life and the kingdom of God, and that's why people followed him. He was not someone especially noticeable. If you passed Jesus in the streets, he'd be just some other smelly dude walking down the street. But oh, so much more. More enough, in fact, that no matter what happens in this life, you can, you should have peace 
and be still. For those of us who trust the promises of God for them in Jesus, you are safe. You are loved. Hear this again, Grace. Hear this again. Hear it right now. You are safe. You are loved. No matter what happens to you in this life. Now this is not to say that every storm will pass you by. This story is here as a reminder to you that God's people must weather storms. Someday, one of those storms will take your breath from you forever. Someday, that storm will take from you your heartbeat forever on this earth. Because you know that one out of every one people die. And for those who trust God's promises for them in Christ, that last breath will be the first breath in a new, everlasting, glorious life. So, peace. Be still. Because Jesus is present. Let's look at verses 37 and 38. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But Jesus was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? God, aren't you paying attention? Asleep. Asleep. Now, This teaches me at least four things. Jesus was as human as we are. Theologians have a word for this. They call it the hypostatic union. The hypostatic union is the fact that Jesus is undiminished deity and perfect humanity united forever in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus had worked hard that day. He was tired. So to sleep, I go. But the second thing it teaches me is that Jesus trusted his Father in heaven. Solomon tells us in Psalm 127, Yahweh gives sleep to his beloved. Well, Jesus is Yahweh's beloved. And if you trust the promises of God for you in Christ, you too are Yahweh's beloved. So fluff that pillow, flip it on the cold side, and catch some Z's. The third thing that Jesus that this teaches me is that Jesus wasn't afraid. He was as we said earlier unaffected by his circumstances. He did not let circumstances cause him undue anxiety. He could just relax. He could go to sleep. This also teaches me a fourth thing. We on the other hand are afraid. We hear the disciples cry and we echo, Jesus, for all you care, we're going to die. There is a reason why in early Christian art pictured the church as a boat on a stormy sea. You ever feel like you're in a stormy sea? I do. Focus. Focus on Jesus. Focus on the cross. Focus on Jesus in his word because Jesus is present. Jesus is here. 
Jesus is now. Which, of course, brings up the very natural question, how do I do that today? Jesus is not in the boat with me. As I said, He is right here. Jesus is present. Jesus is in Mark 4, 35-41. And you put this into your heart, and He will be with you. Put this into your heart. Because all the world, all around you, is all fear. People cling to this life preserver, to that life preserver. It's all just a distraction. This political hope, that medical miracle, this relationship book, that new job, all of them will fail you. All of them will come up empty. It's all bravado. It's all whistling in the dark. It's all looking for a new distraction, a new shiny thing to take our minds off of the emptiness that is every single idol that we look to to promise us protection, provision, and purpose. And that, my friends, is why the world is addicted to all kinds of things, some of them socially acceptable, some of them not. But in the storms of life, you have one hope. Jesus, everything else, everyone else is just a mirage. But Christian, you serve a supernatural God. You trust the God who is not hampered by physical limitations. You put your confidence in a God who is with anyone and everyone who calls upon His name. So call upon His name. Go to Him in His Word and find peace. And be still. Let's be honest with each other. Doesn't this just get you? I bet you've had that feeling. Jesus is asleep. Don't you care that we are perishing? You know what I'm talking about, and if you don't, you will. My friends, you and I are meant to read this history of God's love for His people using our sanctified imagination. We are meant to feel what the disciples are feeling. Don't you care if we die? Don't believe the lie that it is somehow beneath Christians to be afraid. Fear is a natural response to unknown or overwhelming threats. But courage, courage is the proper response in the face of our fear. We are meant to be courageous because there is nothing overwhelming to Jesus. Jesus uses all the circumstances in our life to draw us closer to Him. Jesus uses all the overwhelming circumstances to us to draw us to feel our need for Him and to call upon Him. Jesus is present in all of your struggles. No fifth diaper today. No 15th phone call at work. No smart Alec response from your daughter. No third medical appointment today. None of that is overwhelming to Jesus. So focus on Him. Focus on Jesus. Look to Him. See Him in this story sleeping 
Not because he is unconcerned about you. Look at Jesus sleeping in the stern of the boat precisely because he is concerned about you and he wants you to follow his example. And in this case, Jesus demonstrated his power so that you would know that he can stop the waves when it is best for you. Jesus is present and Jesus is powerful. Look with me at verse 39. Jesus awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. There was a great calm. Of course there was. He said, Peace, be still. Of course the wind and waves obeyed. Fortunately, the wind and waves were not given the obedience, the, the option of disobedience like we are. They heard their master's call and they obeyed. <laughs> would it be so would that it would be so easy for us? But you and I cannot speak to the winds commanding them and they obey. The wind and waves still know his voice who ruled him while he dwelt below. But the wind and waves do not know your voice or mine, do they? Instead, we see this. We read this example of how God lovingly deals with his people. And what we learn here is that Jesus can stop the wind and waves. He is able. Jesus is present. Jesus is powerful. And we learn that if he does not, it is because he has a perfectly good reason even when he does not choose to disclose that reason to us today. However, the Bible does give us some clues. The Bible does help us understand that he does have reasons. Romans 8.28, we know that for those who love God, all things work out for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. This world, Christian, based upon this verse and many others, is a perfectly safe place for you to be. Daniel's friends understood this. When threatened with execution by fiery furnace, that's another kind of fear of mine, by the way, they spoke to the one who was going to execute them. In Daniel 3.16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Talk about a storm. Death by fire. What did... Jesus' friends say, okay, Jesus, here we go. Instead of paralyzing fear, instead of anxious anxiety working, going hither and yon, helter-skelter, we can have peace. We can be still. 
Now, evidently, Jesus knew that this very fear would be a real fear for us because he said in Matthew 10, 19, when they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. Jesus got your back. He's got your front, too. Why? Because he's already in the boat with you. You may be tossed to and fro. You may be tossed into the fiery furnace. That's okay. And while in that fiery furnace, you may come out not even smelling like smoke. Or you may come out on the other side of the Jordan. You may come out on the other side of death. Either way, you're good. Because this world is a perfectly safe place. For you to be. Jesus knows this. That's why in verse 40, he says to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Jesus is present, Jesus is powerful. And Jesus is patient. Jesus is present. Jesus is powerful. And Jesus is patient. And his questions are there. And they go like a knife into our heart. Do you feel it? Yeah. Your mind, Christian, will say, I'm good, no problem. But your heart screams, ah! that's why there's grace that's why there's God's undeserved power to accomplish his purposes in life you don't need to be afraid and when you are afraid he is patient with you and when we hear Jesus' rebuke, that pain of that rebuke goes into our very being I am guilty of fear and Jesus says to you, I am patient. I am no better than Jesus' friends on the boat. And Jesus says, I am patient. What do I do, Jesus, with these feelings? How do I move forward? Well, to begin with, you will always be able to tell the difference between the voice of God the Spirit and the voice of Satan. Satan accuses you. Satan condemns you. Satan hears your fear and he eats it up and he makes you believe that you are a terrible person because you're afraid. God the Spirit, on the other hand, points out your sin and he invites you back. He invites you to repent. God the Spirit shows you your sin so that you can turn back to Him. You can turn back to Jesus and you can live. You can have courage in spite of your fear. God the Spirit helps you see your way back to Him. The way for you to find peace and to be still. Anxiety kills Panic destroys. And we truly have nothing to fear except fear itself. Jesus calls to you and says, Courage, dear heart. Courage, 
beloved. Courage, my friend. Courage, my child. Put your hope in Jesus. He is in the boat with you. You can have peace and be still. Well, pastor, easy for you to say. (laughs) No, actually, it isn't. Simple, maybe, but not easy. Especially when we're faced with verse 41. And the disciples were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, the sea, the waters, represent to the ancient Israelites chaos. This precedent goes all the way back, literally to the very beginning of the Bible. Genesis 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Spirit of God sat like a bird on its nest, covering its chicks. Moses uses that exact word in Deuteronomy 32.11 to describe the bird hovering or sitting on its chicks. God the Spirit protects His people from the chaos and the unpredictability of every force we cannot protect ourselves from, including the seas. What I am saying is that God the Son has authority over everything we cannot control. The wind and waves, the demons, and the sickness and death as well as we get to our next couple of stories. As we get to our next couple of dealings of the Almighty God with His people. And like a mother bird protecting its young, Jesus knows exactly how much storm and sea His disciples need so that we will know and therefore love and trust Jesus all of our life. And it bears repeating that this trust, this confidence, this hope in Jesus is often described in both testaments as the fear of the Lord. You know, I did a word study. The Greek word translated fear in this passage literally means be afraid. It means fear. So allow me to show you how the fear of the Lord and peace be still go together like a hand in a tailored glove. The fear of the Lord is always a focusing on the Lord. It is looking at Him first and foremost. There is nothing on earth, no fire, no storm, not kings, not disease, not circumstances, nothing that can touch you apart from the loving hand of God who is using these circumstances to accomplish His purposes in and through and for you and your near ones. Instead of panicking, instead of anxious stewing, fear God. Put your eyes on Jesus. Look to Jesus. Pay attention to Jesus and not to the circumstances around you. Look at Him like there is nothing else to be afraid of. Nothing else that you would want to make sure that you are in a right relationship with. The example I like to use is to look at Jesus like you would look at a lion if you were on the wrong side of the glass at the zoo. It's exactly 
how the Bible pictures the fear of the Lord. Look with me at Psalm 2. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. In other words, do everything that you do in your life with your eyes fixed on Jesus and you will rejoice with understanding you are in this position before the Lord. Or Proverbs 8.13, the fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. The fear of the Lord is the decision to look into the face of temptation and smile. Smile because your friendship with Jesus makes that temptation look pitiful, sick, disgusting. Then, by God's grace and mercy, you can have peace. You can be still. You can have peace. You can be still because your reality is determined by what you focus on. Now Jesus' words, peace and be still, remind us of one of the more important psalms, Psalm 46. We are promised in Psalm 46 the protection of God over against first the forces of, na of the nations and then the forces of nature. His presence God's proximity to his people is a refuge. It is an ever-present strength that you can depend on more than policies and politics and provisions and puny little weapons. Turning from what God has done in the past, the sons of Korah turn our attention to the future at the end of the psalm, and they remind us that there is going to be an upheaval before the day of the Lord, and that upheaval is not to be feared by God's people. Even the birth pains that will precede the Lord's day are welcomed by God's people because His presence quiets us. He is in the boat. You don't have to worry. Look with me at verses 8 through 10. The psalmist says, Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He is looking forward to the day of the Lord. God makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. Be still. Be still. And know that I am God. The Lord of every army. The Lord of every storm. The Lord of every circumstance. The Lord of your life. And this is exactly why the disciples in the boat learned that day. Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? He is the Lord of all the earth. Now the day of the Lord is a military victory. God will appear in armor and riding on a stallion, Revelation teaches us. He will deliver his people from their enemies. We don't need to fight, not with physical weapons at least. So what do we make of be still here in Psalm 46. We are to make the same thing that we are to make of it in Mark chapter 4. Anxious labor 
worried, wandering, fretting and stewing and wrangling and being all upset by the news or anything and everything is folly. It is vain. It is empty. It is fruitless. So trust in the Lord. Peace. Be still. On that boat with the waves swamping overboard. Or in Psalm 46 when the city of Jerusalem was worried about the Assyrians flooding in to destroy God's people. There was absolutely nothing the disciples or the Jews could do. They were dead. Certain death awaited. Certain death actively pursued God's people. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. Why? Because he is the Lord of hosts. He is the Lord of the armies of heaven. And he is with us. Jesus is present. Jesus is powerful. And Jesus is patient. Who can defeat the armies of heaven? Not anyone. Not everyone. Not at all. Not fear. Not waves. Not armies. Not politicians. Not even your own stupidity and sin. Be still. And know that I am God. Peace. Be still. Why? Because Jesus is present with you. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Why? Because Jesus is powerful. He is the Lord of hosts. He is the Lord of the armies of heaven. And because Jesus is patient with you. You cannot escape the storms of life. You have not yet crossed the river Jordan, but one day you will. And until that day, when you do cross the river, even when you cross the river into death, Christian, this world is a perfectly safe place for you to be. Oh, Almighty Heavenly Father, we are in desperate need of you. We so desperately need you to meet us where we are so that we will know you because as we know you better, we will therefore love you and trust you more. Meet us here, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Amen.